So, do you know what's better than one episode about Wisconsin? What's that? Two episodes about Wisconsin. But first, you know what happened today in 1990? Today in 19... No, I do not. On March the 6th, the SR-71 Blackbird flew from Los Angeles, California to Washington, D.C. in one hour, four minutes, and 20 seconds. Wow, that's pretty quick. That's an average of 2,124 miles an hour. So they they got there before they left. Yes, they did, if you count time zones. But they were flying to D.C. because the plane was retired and was being displayed in the Smithsonian. Oh, that's pretty neat. Did you know we have one at the Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama? I did not. We do. It's one of my favorite displays. Oh, I I know what plane you're talking about now, I think. Yeah, it's the one sitting out front. So we ready to do the show? We're ready. So let's do our little warning. This podcast may not be suitable for children. If you are easily offended or bothered by strong language or dark humor, this may not be the podcast for you. This podcast accepts no responsibility for butthurt feelings or erections lasting longer than four hours. Thank you. And welcome to the What the Was That Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne. And I'm Jill. And today, we're back in Wisconsin. Yeah, back in Wisconsin. Yay! Not just talking about random findings in Wisconsin. Um, Did you know that the average person walks past a murderer 16 times in their life? Wow. Oh, I remember my joke now. What was your joke? My joke was, so I stopped and picked up a hitchhiker on the way home from work today. And the hitchhiker asked me, he goes, well, why'd you stop and get me? You don't know if I'm a serial killer. And I said, well, what are the odds of two of us being in the same car? <laughs> so that brings us to our topic today. We have a couple serial killers. Yes, we do. And it's not the one that I picked up. <laughs> it's not either of us either. How about that? Funny. Not not that anyone can prove. There you go. <laughs> so I guess we decided um, I'm going first. Right. And remember, no body, no murder. Exactly. Habeas corpus. <laughs> Are I you said. summoning a demon? Maybe. I don't know if I said the right <laughs> thing or not. Okay. So before we get talking about our particular serial killers who happen to be from Wisconsin, which is how we're in week two in Wisconsin... I'm going to discuss what a serial killer is. And what is a serial killer? Well, according to the FBI, a serial killer is someone who commits at least three murders over more than a month with a cooling off period in between. But the National Institute of Justice defines it as committing two or more murders with a psychological motive and sadistic sexual overtones. Hmm. So there's kind of some differing opinions in what makes a serial killer. Right. One guy says potato, one guy says potato. Right. And 
honestly, that makes a big difference for who I'm discussing. Absolutely. Because I'm talking about Ed Gein, and that's G-E-I-N, and I've listened to many different things, and apparently that's how you say it. Um, He's also known as the Butcher of Plainfield. So he was born Edward Theodore Gein and was born August 27th, 1906 in Plainfield, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, He died July 26th, 1984 in Madison, Wisconsin. Still in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We're going to lose listeners now. (laughs) (laughs) Only because you repeat me. (laughs) So, he is the serial killer, and I use that term loosely depending on which definition you go by, um, who inspired a lot of our horror culture of today. Correct. I believe the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Leatherface character, was inspired after him. And the little thing at the beginning that says this is based on true events, it's, it's talking about Ed Gein. It wasn't actually a chainsaw thing. Right. And if I'm correct, the another one was a movie that inspired my oldest daughter. That's right. Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. It puts the lotion on its skin. Wild Bill is yep. our dear friend Ed Gein. Also, the movie Psycho. Norman Bates and his mother were inspired by Ed Gein and his mother. You, you want to know a secret? What's that? I don't think I've ever seen Psycho. Oh, goodness. We're going to have to see it now. Hmm. I mean, I used to be afraid of the shower, and that's... I mean, not because of Psycho, but... Well, I... made reference to it then, and you didn't tell me that. Sorry. So, his father was George Philip Gein. His mother was Augusta Wilhelmine Gein. That's a tongue twister. And he had an older brother, Henry George Gein. Now, Ed was a strange child. Imagine that. Um, He had poor social skills. And yes, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, I wonder if he was autistic. But, you know, another story for another time, I guess. Um, He was bullied at school. He was reported to just laugh at random times. Which made me also wonder if he kind of inspired the Joker. No. Well, in any case, he still laughed at random inappropriate times. His mother was a devout Lutheran. And she discouraged her sons from having contact with the outside world. Like, people were surprised she let them go to school. Yeah. So, she would preach to her sons about the immorality of the world... And she taught them that all women were just whores. And she included herself in that. I started to say, how, how do you do that if you're a woman? Well, I, I remember reading in something that because of her beliefs, you know, of course, sex before marriage was a big no-no. But if all of the records are correct, his older brother, Henry, was born about a month after her and her husband got married. So, his father um, was not the best role model for him either. He died in 1940 of heart failure due to alcoholism. Um, He was overly attached to his mother. 
And that's kind of where the psycho thing comes into play, which you wouldn't know because you haven't seen it. Correct. <laughs> but um, this started to concern his brother, Henry. Hey, did they do a thing on Family Guy about Psycho? I don't know. Because that's how I found out about Star Wars. I mean, they might have. So. So, his older brother, Henry, they were adults by this time. Um, Henry was getting wise to his mother not knowing everything in the world. And was starting to oppose her and was concerned that Ed just fell for everything she said, hook, line, and sinker, and was just very weirdly attached to her. So on May 16, 1944, the brothers were putting out a brush fire near their farm. They lived on a farm, and I guess some of the field caught on fire. They went out to put it out, so their house didn't burn down. After the fire was out, Ed reported that Henry was missing to the police. Dun, dun, dun. Yet, strangely, he was able to lead them right to his body. This reminds me of Cain and Abel. <laughs> yeah. That actually was mentioned in something, that it was a very Cain and Abel kind of story. Well, I mean, you kill your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he led the police directly to Henry's burned body, even though he was the one that said, oh, no, my brother's missing after this fire. There were also bruises on Henry's head. Like he had been hit? <gasps> he was bruised so- somehow. What? But no his way. death was ruled an accident. He must have fell and hit his head. Multiple times, I guess. I mean, it was smoky. You couldn't see. He just kept running into stuff, I guess. Like the ground? Yeah. <laughs> or someone's fist or a <laughs> shovel or something. So, a lot of people obviously suspect that Ed killed his brother. So, his mother, who remember he's very attached to, died December 29th, 1945. So, the very next year. After a series of strokes. Now, he took the rooms that she had used and boarded them up. Like, left them the way she left them and turned them into, like, a shrine. He didn't go back in there. He just used the rest of the house. He wasn't too keen on being a good housekeeper. Hmm. That seems to be a common thread with serial killers. So, maybe I'm a serial killer after all. Maybe. (laughs) So... Gonna kind of jump ahead a little bit because this is kind of how everything went when I was reading everything. Ed Gein was caught after he became the main suspect in the disappearance of store clerk Benice. I'm gonna say Worden, W O R D E N. That sounds good to me. Um, because he was her last customer that was billed at the store before she disappeared, so he wasn't real good at covering his tracks. Um, he went, he was the last customer and she disappeared and they track him down. So on November 16th, 1957, police searched his shed and property. They found Bernice, Bernice Worden's decapitated corpse hung upside down with ropes on her wrist and a crossbar between her ankles. She had been shot by a rifle and then field-dressed. So if you were thinking I was describing what sounded like he hung her up like a deer, right? he hung her up like a deer. I was sitting here thinking I remember watching an episode of, I think, CSI or something like that was very similar. Mm -hmm. So during questioning, 
he admitted to killing Mary Hogan, who had gone missing in 1954. Then later on, he said he couldn't remember doing it. They did find her head in his house. Pretty good indication that that did happen. Well, it would, except for between 1947 and 1952, Ed Gein frequented three local cemeteries. Oh, hey. He went there about 40 times. He claimed he did this in a dazed-like state and woke up and left about 30 times. But the other 10 times, he dug up graves of middle-aged women that he thought looked like his mother and took them home. You know, that happened here in our little town a couple of years ago. Did it? In the graveyard there that we had to go by where mm-hmm. your grandmother's buried. Yeah. There was a... Um, I think I remember hearing about that. Somebody dug up a grave and took off their head, and guess where they found it? It was in Tupperware in their fridge. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Well, he... So, her head being in his home didn't necessarily mean that he, he killed, killed her. killed her, right. right. So, you're looking at... he. He definitely killed Bernice. Okay. He admitted to killing Mary Hogan, but then kind of recanted on it. Right. And he probably killed his brother. Okay. So he killed one to three people. Correct. So that's maybe not a serial killer. By one definition. Right. But by the other definition. Straight up serial killer. Yeah, because, I mean, it's definitely going to be psychological motives and sadistic sexual nature. So, Right. It just depends on which definition you go by. He gets the title, though, because he did all this other creepy stuff I'm about to tell you about. Fine. So, remember, he's got ten bodies he dug up and brought home. You'll be happy to know he denied having sex with them. Because they smelled too bad. Good for him. <laughs> so he's got some standards. They may be low, but they're standards. <laughs> he, knew, he knew where to draw the line. Did, just, did he? Well, he knew where to draw a line. <laughs> yes, he drew a line. <laughs> he, um, he was crafty. He tanned their skins and made household items and personal things. He created a woman, a woman suit out of the women's skin that he would wear. Wild Bill. Yeah, that's where Wild Bill comes from. But a lot of people speculate that because he was so attached to his mother that he was literally trying to, like, climb inside her skin after she passed away. But it wasn't her skin. No, but he picked people that looked like her. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it makes no sense. But in his mind, I guess it worked. Yep. So, here's the list of things that the police found when they searched his home. They found human bones, skulls on his bedposts. So, I guess he had an interesting looking little canopy bed. Ivan the Impaler. Yeah, kind of badass, but... Um, <laughs> not with actual human skulls, though. That, that's Maybe use plaster so or something. Yeah. Um, bowls made from skulls. A wastebasket full of human skin. It's like it's just the leftover pieces he didn't need. He just so, threw in the garbage can. So do you think he took the, I will drink from the skulls of my enemies? Literally? Maybe. I mean, I, there were bowls. I think he, he may be an eating cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Who 
Okay, that was cheesy. I was going to say soup at first. All right, drive on. Drive on. Okay, so he had chairs that were upholstered with human skin. And you can actually find pictures of some of this stuff. He had a corset that he made from a woman's torso. So basically just peeled the skin off her torso and made it where he could wrap it around himself. He had actual leggings made from legs. (laughs) Actual (laughs) leggings. He had multiple face masks made of faces. He had more skulls and body parts in bags. Here we go. You ready for the the plural issue? Oh, here we go. (laughs) So, we all know the female anatomy. It's called a vulva. He had nine of them in a shoebox. So, he had nine vulvae, vulvae, vulvuses. We'll go with vulvae. Vulvae. And for those that do not know human anatomy, that is girl bits. The lady parts. He had nine of those in a shoebox. He had four noses. I don't know why he discarded some of the noses and one of the vulvas. Oh, man, I'm just curious as to... It had to be just a skin off the nose. I mean, because the rest of it's just cartilage. That... Yeah. Well, he was tanning the skin and stuff, so yeah. it was probably just the skin. Um, he had a lampshade made out of skin. And I actually saw a picture of this. It It has a face in it. So part of it's just skin, but there's a face in it. Right. It's kind of cool. Um, did it say where he learned to tan? Mm, not that I saw. But, I mean, he lived on a farm back in the early 1900s, so it was probably just a trade thing, I guess. But you cut me off before the best part. Oh, I'm so sorry. He had a belt made of female nipples. Oh, <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> He had a good fashion statement thing working for him. No. And, oh, I think I somehow managed to not write down that he had a pair of lips that he had hanging from his blinds. Like the little pull cord. Yeah, you told me your, about those. On your blinds. I didn't write it down. Wow. Um, But, yeah, the little pull cord for your blinds, he had a pair of lips hanging from yeah, it. My thought is, in all seriousness, how do you make all of these things like that? And not expect to get caught. Well, he didn't have anybody over that wasn't dead. But still, it could take the mailman. You open the door to get a package and he sees a face on a lamp? I don't know. You know, see something, say something. Maybe they didn't back then. I know they didn't back then. (laughs) So, Ed Gein confessed, but his confession was inadmissible... Because Sheriff Art, I can't say this, Sheriff Art. (laughs) Sheriff Art. It's S-C-H-L-E-Y. Schley? Sheriff Art. Sheriff Art. Um, He bashed Ed Gaines' head into a brick wall during questioning. So they decided since the sheriff was being kind of brutal that they couldn't use his confession. Yeah, that that might make somebody say something that they did not actually mean to say. Right, like, I killed Mary Hogan, and then, oh, wait, I don't remember doing that, because you just knocked my memory out. Right. (laughs) So, Ed Gein pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Who'd thunk? (laughs) 
1957, he was deemed unfit for trial and was sent to a psychiatric institution. So, in 1968, they decided, okay, he's had enough treatment and he's ready for trial. They only tried him for Warden's death. And I'm guessing because he kind of recanted on the other one and the only proof they had was her head in his house. And Well, he had lots of heads in his house. Right. So, um, he was found guilty, but they determined that he was insane at the time of the crime. So he was returned to a mental hospital and remained there until he died in 1984. So he he never actually did the prison thing. Um, An interesting little tidbit, the car that he owned that he would drive back and forth to the cemetery and drive the bodies home in, it was sold in a public auction. A carnival show operator purchased it. For $760. Did it say what kind of car it was? There was a picture. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You'll find out later. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's that's kind of the Ed Gein um, legend, the man, the myth, the legend. Um he did inspire the the horror movies and stuff that we talked about, but apparently he's also been ex- inspiring the music world. Oh yes, oh my gosh, yes. So there have been several songs inspired by him, but three I found kind of interesting because they were actually by some pretty well known bands. Um, the first is called "Skinned" by Blind Melon. You know, the, the little girl in the Bumblebee suit band, you know, the uh-huh. I'm a Loser Baby. Yeah. Yeah, they did an Ed Gein song um, in 1995 on their album, Soup. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read you a few of the lyrics and I'm going to try not to be sing-songy about it because that'll be weird. But, <laughs> so, these these are just a few outtakes of the lyrics. You can look up the songs if you want. I'll make a shoehorn out of your shin. I'll make a lampshade of durable skin. I'm just sitting here carving out your navel. When will I realize that this skin I'm in, hey, it isn't mine? Wow. So you can see how those lyrics are inspired by Ed Gein. Well, they probably dug into him and saw what it was about. Yeah. So the next one is called... I'm going to say it's probably pronounced nothing to gain, but they spelled it G-E-I-N. Nothing to gain. Yeah, nothing to gain, and it's by Mudvayne. They put that out in 2000 on their album LD50. And some of the lyrics to it are, Nailed shut the doors to the shrine, Mutilate and sew my new clothes for masquerading, Aprons of flesh, corpse scalped hair with skin upon my face blame mother for the sickness life of a simple man taught that everyone else is dirty and love is meaningless Hmm. so once again I mean you can really see how that relates I mean it's there and you can even you can hear it in like the the music itself Mm -hmm. you know they're actually decent songs just about a very gruesome man yeah And so the last one that I'm going to talk about before I let you take it over um, 
is called Dead Skin Mask by Slayer. They put this out in 1990 on Seasons in the Abyss. And honestly, when I looked at the lyrics and when I listened to the song, I didn't really hear a lot of Gein-inspired stuff. But the last chorus that they're playing, if you listen real close, you can hear like a young girl talking. Yeah, behind the music. Behind the music. And what she's saying is, hello, hello, Mr. Gein. Let me out of here, Mr. Gein. I don't want to play anymore, Mr. Gein. Mr. Gein, this isn't fun anymore. I don't want to play anymore, Mr. Gein. I want out of here, Mr. Gein. Let me out now. So that's kind of creepy. Yeah, because we don't actually know that he held anyone for any amount of time. No, I mean, the only person... Is the last one. The only woman that he really like killed was the store clerk right and he shot her and field dressed her so i don't know that did he, he there was any kind of torture process or you know held he, her for any amount of time yeah, he did horrible things to corpses but not necessarily to people yeah i mean i know corpses are people but you know what i mean yeah. like not they, while they could feel it correct so so that's that's ed Gein. well that the was, butcher of, of plainfield yeah, all right. So now it's me. And Not the butcher of Plainfield. No. Um, so back when me and my neighbor were really young, um, we had a house that was in between our houses. And that's how we would run across their front yard all the time. And people moved in and out of this house because it, it was a renter house. And we had a preacher move in. And a month or so after they moved in, this smell just started coming from the house. Dead people? No. We don't know. (laughs) But we started calling him Jeffrey Dahmer. And Jeffrey Dahmer is a Wisconsin guy. Wisconsin. Yep, there you go. Losing listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I kind of, I got a little, like, a little piece here about him and the whole thing. And then I have uh, kind of a, a breaking it down of the first couple of murders and then his last two murders. And, but, um, you know, I think I'm going to uh, just start by talking about his earlier life, like his childhood. And and I feel like we should break in for a second and just point out, because the last couple episodes we've made a point to mention, you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. Well, this is true. And because I had done all your research and typed it up for you. And so everybody, Dwayne actually researched this topic on his own today. Yay me. But here's the problem. My handwriting is atrocious. <laughs> so... Um, I may not be able to read my own notes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Let's let's learn together. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeffrey Dahmer was an energetic and happy child until the age of four when he had to have a surgery to correct a double hernia. And after that, he... Um, 
he became withdrawn and noticeably subdued. So just something like a switch flipped in him or I'd, just pain from the surgery? I don't imagine he felt the pain, but probably just, I mean, they didn't say what where the hernia was. So he was four, Usually a hernia in little boys is going to be... Down... Their, their testicular area. Yeah. So... Um, when he became withdrawn and his, there's, his parents found out they were having another son, they thought, well, we'll let Jeffrey name him. Well, that's a great plan. Yeah. Well, it wasn't bad. He named him David. Oh, okay. So, well, he did good. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't bad. I know another guy that let his older kid name the younger kid. Yeah, that, that would be me. Mm-hmm. I did. I let my oldest daughter name my youngest daughter. Um, she should have, you know, she had a couple of names picked out, but we had to do like a, uh, an audible call and change it mid-flight because we thought we were having a boy and a little girl comes out. Yeah. Your little boy came out with no penis. So. That's it. <laughs> so, um, so in his younger years, Jeffrey's family moved quite a bit before settling down in Ohio. In his early teens, he was disengaged and kind of a loner and mostly friendless. Also, he's my kids. Yes. At the age of 12 to 13, Dahmer had taken an interest in what makes the inside of a body work. And this was after he had um, his dad was cleaning out some bones and stuff underneath the house of, of rodents and they were putting them in a bucket and Jeffrey was sitting out there piecing them together of how, kind of like a puzzle. This is kind of worrying me because I'm relating to Jeffrey Dahmer hmm. because I, you remember me telling you when I was like a teenager I thought it would be fun to take I, I always said like death row people because they were sentenced to death anyways and you might as well make use of them and, like, saw off the top of their heads and stimulate their brain with electrodes and stuff to see what moved. He's a curious kid. Curious kid. So what he would do was ride around the back roads and pick up roadkill. And he would take them home, and out in their backyard, there was a little patch of woods where he spent a lot of his time dissecting his roadkill finds. So far, I'm just hearing scientist. Well, that his dad was had a PhD in yeah. in some type of science. Because he found roadkill, he didn't kill and torture animals. No, like we're not seeing that side mm-hmm. of the serial killer yet. Right. As a matter of fact, when they got they got him a puppy when he was younger, so he would have a friend. Okay. And he loved his dog. He never harmed a dog. So he was, you know, he wasn't killing the animals. He was going and getting roadkill and dissecting them and seeing what what the insides look like and how they worked and you're kind of ruining all my perceptions about serial killers with Jeffrey Dahmer so far well you know we'll get there I guess yes so um so at the age of 14 he became obsessed with necrophilia and murder oh there we go so but here's the thing he really didn't care about the the killing 
of a person. That wasn't the, the end goal. And it wasn't about having sex with the person. He was obsessed with laying by a still body. Okay, so he just didn't like people that moved around a lot. I guess not. So he was autistic. Um, maybe. Apparently everybody's autistic. <laughs> so. And y'all remember, I have an autistic son. I'm not being insensitive. I just see different things like that as signs and symptoms of autism. Yeah, what what it could have been. Yeah. Um, so, at the age of fourteen, he also planned his planned his first murder. Oh. But it, like I said, he didn't plan to kill. He just wanted to lay by a still body. So he could have hooked up with Ed Gein and just laid next to the ones he dug up and been fine. Yeah. Um, he could have made him a stuffed woman suit. So, so Jeffrey had watched a local jogger for a couple of days and kind of planned out the jogger's route to see how he was going. This is he's still fourteen. He's still fourteen, and he had planned on clubbing him in the head with a ball bat. Oh, him? Yes. So he didn't seek out like a weak victim. No, he he became obsessed with men. Okay. Um. So, on that day, the jogger didn't show. Oh shit! Now you ruined everything. Now, mind you, after the jogger didn't show. You know what his next course of action was? He went home? He went home. He never attempted it again. Well, obviously not never again. Well, I mean, not the jogger. Oh, okay. So, um, so his parents', his parents his, his parents' marriage was failing. And, you know, after it bad got to worse and worse got to horrible, they divorced. Okay. My brain just got stuck for a second on this jogger. So there's someone out there who was his first victim that didn't get killed, and they have no idea. Yes, absolutely. That's a trip. <laughs> now, if that person hears this podcast and goes, oh, I wonder if that was me. I'm sorry. They still won't know. <laughs> Actually, they, well. There's probably lots of people that jogged in that area. So, after the divorce, his dad moved out. Not long after that, now, Jeffrey's 18 at this point. So, he's grown. He He's in, in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, not long after that, his mom and his little brother moved out, leaving him there by himself. But they left him the house, so that's cool, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, unless it wasn't paid for. So, shortly after graduation, Jeffrey's still living by himself in mm-hmm. the house. Um, so, uh, let's let the killing begin now. Oh, see, most kids, if their parents moved out and left them in a house by themselves in high school, they'd probably just have lots of keg parties. Yeah, well, he's fixing a party, all right. Smoke a lot of pot. He, I didn't really mention of drug use. So, I'm just saying that's what most kids now would do. Right. 
Instead, he's going to kill a bunch of people. Okay, you, you killed my lead-in. <laughs> Sorry. So, June 1978, Jeffrey picks up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks. Okay. So, he takes him back to his parents' house, Jeffrey's parents' house, and they have some drinks. They do whatever you do. You know, hanging out, hanging out, listen to some records. Yeah, uh, got a little drunk, and then Stephen says, "Hey, man, I got to bounce." Well, Jeffrey had other plans, so he hit him in the head with a barbell. Oh, and when he hit the ground, he placed a barbell on his neck and strangled him to death with it. Mm. So he didn't want his friend to go home. Correct. So, what do you do when you just killed your your hitchhiking buddy? You cut him up. You dismember his body. You place the bodies in a black bag. And you put the bags in the back seat of your car at 12 o'clock at night and go to the dump. Oh, see, I thought you were going with the dropping them along the interstate because I always think those bags are full of body parts. No. They probably are. So you know what happens while you're driving to the dump in the middle of the night and you cross the center line? Uh, You get pulled over? Yeah, get pulled over by the police. (laughs) Oh, because he had been drinking. Yes, because I did forget to mention this, and actually I think it's later. I mentioned it later in my notes. But he was an alcoholic by the time he graduated high school. Oh. To deal with his parents splitting and his, being by himself. and His abandonment issues. Correct. So, he is going to the dump to get rid of this body that's in the backseat of his car in black garbage bags. And he gets pulled over by the cops. The police officer asks him, what's up with the trash bags? Dahmer says... I'm carrying the trash out for my mom because I'm trying to make it better between her and my dad. And by taking the trash to the dump, maybe it won't cause a fight. Oh, okay. Mr. Police Officer writes him a ticket for crossing the center line and lets him go. Doesn't smell the alcohol on his breath or any of that? I wasn't there. I don't know. (laughs) But he did inform Mr. Dahmer... That the dump was closed. So did he have to take his trash home? At midnight, it was closed. Who would have ever thought? But yes, he goes home. He should find one of them 24-7 dumps. And you know, he he takes and buries them under the house. Okay. So, um... He didn't have a garbage can? mm Mm-mm. So, probably not to pick up fast enough before it started (laughs) stinking. So he then takes... The, the bags out and then bust up the bones with a sledgehammer or a hammer. So he turns them into fragments. And some of the things I read was like he scattered them across the woods there. So he buried them and let it decompose? And then got the bones out? And then dug out. it back up? Yes. That's strange. So Why not just leave it there? Well... Hang on. I don't know. I, I'm not him. Okay. I'm so, just making conversation. So we take him and break the the bones up, 
And like I said, some say he just threw them out in the woods. But other, another article I read said that he took and spun around in the yard just slinging them. Like, you know. Like a sprinkler. Yeah, like a sprinkler. Bones. Mm-hmm. So, later this will come back in. Years later. Because this is his first kill. I'm picturing, there was that movie... I think it was called like Suburbia or something like that. It was where neighbors moved in this little suburb. This, the Burbs. That's what it was. The Burbs. And neighbors move in next door and they think that they're killing people. And I'm just picturing that kind of stuff going on with Dahmer. Like his neighbors peeking over the fence. Watching him throw bones in circles. Mm, I don't think he had neighbors. But anywho. Um... So, now remember, that was his first kill in 1978. The second kill wouldn't take place until September of 1987. Oh, that was a while. So, there was a little gap there. Maybe you feel bad. Now, see my arrow here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's where I forgot to add some stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's go see what you needed to add. So, during high school, Jeffrey was a um, raging alcoholic. And one day his dad came by the house and said, hey, where's your mom and your little brother? And Jeffrey said, they moved out like a long time ago. So his dad moved back in. So after he graduated, he spent most of his days drinking. And his dad said, you know, this is not going to work. You know, you, you can't keep a job. So let's try going to college. So his dad enrolled him in the University of Ohio State. I think that's what it is. Or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ohio State University, whatever. Yeah. One of those. The place in Ohio where there's a college. Yeah. So within the first semester, he was um, skipping classes, going and selling his plasma for beer money. Nice. And eventually flunks out of college within the first semester. So college is not his thing. So he goes home and his dad's like, hey, bro, your opportunities are are passing fast. So let's let's think about um, joining the army. Well, he says, "Okay." So he goes and enlists in the army. And after basic training, you know, he had gotten in shape and he turned into a, I mean, he was a tall guy. He was like six foot three, six foot two, something like that. And, um, you know, a good looking cat. So, and when you come out of basic training, you do slim down. So, yeah, got some muscles. Mm hmm. So, you know what his training was in the Army? Communications. No, he was a field medic. Oh, nice. So okay. they're teaching him how to cut you apart correctly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you had to do in the field. If your leg's yeah. bleeding and falling off, you just cut it off. Field amputations. Yeah. So Bite down on this belt. So, but while he was in the Army, he excelled. He, he, he'd done his job well. He enjoyed being in the Army. He enjoyed the structure. He, he, he done well. So, you know I'm bad with history. Did he see combat? Was there any wars going on then? No. 
So that wasn't why there was a gap. It wasn't because he was killing people for the no. country. Mm-mm. He was just no. He he just busy. he just took a break and doing some other things. Um, he was after he went to Germany, and now there were some accusations of him drugging and getting some people drunk and raping them, but that never was proven. And then. Uh, his his drinking was out was way out of control. He was straight up alcoholic at this point, and his commanders kind of pushed him out of the army. He did get an honorable honorable discharge. Okay. And he was sent home. So you can get an honorable discharge for drinking yourself out of the army. I I, I guess if you're off your commanding officers deem so, yeah. Okay. So, um. So when he gets home, you know, he's already drunk mm-hmm. and staying drunk. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's where he moves back in with his dad. And his dad's like, hey, I can't deal with this, so I'm going to send you to live with my mom in Wisconsin. So he, he killed the one person before the Army. Yes. Well, before his dad moved back in. Yes, and now he went to the army. Yeah, he's went and to the he's army. Going to live with grandma. Now he is going to live with grandma. Does so, he kill grandma? No, he okay. does not. So he's at. He doesn't go live with grandma quite yet. He's still at dad's house. And let's see. He um, Stephen Toomey is his second victim. And they were out partying one night because Dahmer chose to get his victims, you know, the mall, bus stops, gay bars. I was going to ask, was he gay? Uh, I'm going to go with yeah. I, mean, he, I think so because he, he there's no, no mention of women in here. At yeah. all, period. He wanted to lay next to men and right. sought out men. and Right. Um, so him and Stephen Toomey out partying. They go rent a room at a hotel or motel. Holiday, Holiday Inn. Inn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the next morning, Jeffrey wakes up and notices that his his forearms are bruised. And his his hands are bruised, and he has another dead Stephen. Mm. He did not remember killing him. He remembered nothing. But that's okay because the killing wasn't the fun part for him. The laying next to the dead person was so. Yeah, which he, he was, was having doing. a good time. Now, what do you do with another dead Stephen? You cut him up. I'll tell you what you do with another dead Stephen. You run to the local store and you buy the largest suitcase you can buy. Oh. And then you stuff Steven into the suitcase and take him home and cut him up. Well, why didn't he cut him up there? It's a hotel. Well, then you ain't got to clean it up. The housekeeping does it. <laughs> then you're caught. This is why you're not a good serial killer. So he takes him home. And 
He keeps the body around for a little bit while he, he masturbates and then dismembers the corpse. Masturbates on the corpse. I was going to say, he's masturbating the yeah. corpse? How's he managing yeah, that? That's not how it works. Um, so... So he didn't even have sex with the body. He just mm-mm. did himself near the body. Right. So... You know what he should have done is he should have stuffed him under the bed in the hotel room. That happened in Florence, didn't it? It did. Crazy. Right near where I worked. Story for another time. So, he had, um, oh man, my notes are horrible. I will get better at this, I promise. I keep saying that. Uh, his, his grandmother got tired of his drunken debauchery. Seems to be a theme. And she kicked him out. Good thing her name wasn't Stephen. Correct, right? So, um, his first victim was at his parents' house. And his second, third, and fourth victims were at Grandma's house. Second was at a hotel, though, but that was up by Grandma? Well, he took it to Grandma's house and cut him up. So... Now, apparently, that one, he did throw away in the garbage can. Oh, well, it must have been trash day. Exactly. So, the rest of the killings would take place at his apartment on North 25th Street. So, he's moving up in the world. He's got his own own place now. All right. So, in September of 1989, Dahmer had an extremely lucky escape. An encounter with a 13-year-old Loatian boy resulted in charges of sexual exploitation and a second-degree sexual assault for Dahmer. He pled guilty, claiming the boy had, had appeared to be much older. So not only is he gay, he's a pedophile now. Mm-hmm. While awaiting his sentence for his sexual assault case, Dahmer again put his grandmother's basement to gruesome use in March of 1989 where he lured and drugged and strangled, sodomized, photographed, and dismembered and disposed of Anthony Sears, an aspiring model. So now he is having sex with him. Yeah. Um, But maybe before he killed him. We don't really know. I think somewhere it said it was after. But regardless. So, I'm going to skip down to... So how many people did he kill? Seventeen total. Seventeen. That's that's a lot. That that well, and if you think about it, there was a ten year gap from one to two. Then from two to seventeen was like boom, done. So he just got to killing once he got started back up. Yeah, I mean he, he did not check up. So on May twenty seventh of nineteen ninety one, Dahmer's neighbor, Sandra Smith, called the police to report that an Asian boy was running naked in the streets. When the police arrived, the boy was incoherent, and they accepted the word of Dahmer, a white man in a largely poor African-American community, which he mainly chose African-American men. Okay. And he also chose people that if they went missing, they weren't noticed. It's like homeless people, runaways, that kind of stuff. Right. 
Um, the boy was 19 years old. And in fact, the boy was actually 14. And the police took him at his word and just said that they were having a spat and handed it back to him. It's a little lover's quarrel. Little lover's quarrel. So, after Dahmer got him back, he killed him. Some good police work. Mm-hmm. Good police work. Um, let's see, they... You know what trips me out a little bit? Is you said that was in 1991. Yeah. Like, I remember 1991. I was 10. Right. But I don't know why I thought that this, like, Dahmer was, no. like, a long time ago, like, Mm-mm. before my time. That, I should remember hearing about this serial killer. Right. And, well, at 10 years old, are you yeah, really going to pay attention? Probably watching cartoons. Right. So. Watching New Kids on the Block. Over and over and over. So, Dahmer's killing spree ended when he was arrested on July twenty second, 1991. The body parts found in Dahmer's refrigerator and Polaroid photographs of the victims um, extreme ex, I can't pronounce this word. Oh. Show me. Inextricably. Inextricably associated with the no- notorious killing spree. Two Milwaukee police officers officers were led to Dahmer when they picked up Tracy Edwards, a 32-year-old African man who was wandering the streets with handcuffs dangling from his wrist. Oh, so one of them escaped. Mm Mm-hmm. They decided to investigate the man's claim of a weird dude that drugged him and restrained him. They arrived at Dahmer's apartment where he claimed, where he calmly offered to get the keys for the handcuffs. It's awfully nice of him. So he's just trying to p- play it off like kinky sex gone wrong. Right. Like, oh, well, he wasn't into it. Here's the keys. So Edwards claimed that the knife that Dahmer had threatened him with was in the bedroom. When the officers went to collab- co- corroborate the story, they noticed Polaroid photography photographs of dismembered bodies laying around. Dahmer was subdued by the officers. Subsequent searches revealed a head in the refrigerator, three more in the freezer, a catalog of other horrors including preserved skulls, jars containing genitalia, and expensive an expansive or extensive gallery of macabre Polaroid photographs of all of his victims. Those weren't his. He was holding them for a friend. Right. They also noticed a 58-gallon drum of acid in the corner of the bedroom. Oh, that's where his friend was going to go when he was done with him. Uh Uh-huh. And what was crazy about that is after... That's where he was putting all the, the big parts, the torsos and whatnot. And... That was turning it to sludge. So that there was already people in that. Yes. And he was taking the sludge out of the the barrel and just pouring it down the uh, drain of the bathtub. 
or flushing it. Wow. So it's just going into the sewage. Mm-hmm. To be filtered in reused water. Think about that. That we drink. Mm-hmm. So bottled he, water from here on out. He had um he had taken to eating select parts of the bodies. With fava beans and a nice Chianti? Uh, yes. Boy, we're on Silence of the Lamb roll, aren't we? We are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, God, that was awful. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, so he, they they initially tried to get him um, an insanity deal, but that didn't fly. No insanity for Mr. Dahmer. Because so, all that stuff's perfectly sane. Right. He ended up admitting to each and every kill. And they went back to his dad's house and raked and scooped the yard and collected the bone fragments of his first victim. Oh, bone sprinkler. Yes. They oh. in- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, where does one get... A 50-gallon drum full of acid. Well, you, you can get a 55-gallon drum, period. And you can buy muriatic acid at Lowe's. Oh. Scares me that you know that. Okay, continue. <laughs> they interviewed Dahmer for six weeks. Wow. Where he admitted to everything. And a lot of times he, he couldn't remember their names. Because he, you know. Yeah, they didn't mean anything to him. Right. It was a 159-page report. Wow. Now, that that's... I don't envy their having to do that. He got a 930-year sentence. So he's still there. <laughs> well, you know what? I would love to say you're right. He is still there, but he's not. Because he did? Uh, yes. I thought he was. Yeah, he... Um, but not that long ago, right? Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, let's see. Sorry, my writing's small here because this is when I took notes at work. <laughs> uh, November 1994. Oh, see, this is where I feel like 1994 is not that long ago, but it was. He was beat to death by Christopher Scarver. Mm, so one of his fellow inmates didn't take too kindly well, to him. So here's the thing. They initially did not put him in general population. Okay. For fear of that. Right. Well, uh, they he kept on, and he was released to general population where he was well-received. But, yeah, he didn't murder kids or hurt kids. No. Just people. So he was, but he was also gay. Yeah. So. Well, they like that in prison, though. But that could have been a, an issue. But Not in prison. They like that. Um, they, there was no issues. He had done, he had, you know, he'd done well in there. And what sparked this whole thing was him and Scarver and another inmate were mopping a room. And whether it be the other inmate or Dahmer reached over with the um, mop handle and tapped Scarver on the back. Not not going towards the bottom end, Mm -hmm. but just tapped him on the back. And when he turned around... They were both kind of laughing under their breath, you know. And that pissed him off. And that pissed him off. And 
he caught Jeffrey by himself and shanked him and beat him to death and then went after the other guy and killed him too. Is that your cat snoring? Yes. (laughs) So, um... Wow, look at that. An hour and one minute. Look at I us know. go. We did a good show. And it's not a lot of rambling. No, we had lots of information on this one, didn't um, we? Yeah. Well, apparently we like talking about crazy murderer people. But, yeah, he, um, his dad, there, there's a really good interview with his dad on YouTube. Uh, his dad knew he had some issues. and But, yeah, I guess other than that, that's all I've got. Yeah, so that was our first serial killer episode. And I say first because I like serial killers. Yeah. And I know your daughter likes serial killers. So. Yeah, and this summer when school's out, uh, she's going to help us a lot more. Um, so she's she's looking forward to it, I think. She's like kind of like me, a little apprehensive of being on the mic. Yeah. I thought uh, I would be, but you ain't going to shut me up, so. Until then, I guess we we just need to make sure you guys know, go check out House of Curses. They were gracious enough. They let us use their music on our show, and we really appreciate them. So we we have a link shared. I'll share it again um, or tag it to the top of the page or something. It's in the the show notes. Okay, it's in the show notes. Go click on it. Give them a like. Give them a listen. Um, Our Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at WTFWasThatPod. Um, our Facebook page and Instagram. You're going to have to get on the Instagram. I don't do Instagram that much. Right. I will handle the Instagram. But um, that's where we'll have pictures that we take, um, links to different things that go along with our shows, and hopefully get some discussions started and really get it rocking now that we're going to have our show up and going. Right. And, you know, I thought about doing a Facebook group, but... I'm not sure yet if I'm if I want to do that yet. Yeah, I think we need to wait until we get some stuff going on the page first. Right. If it's something that you guys are interested in that y'all would like to have a a private group to where we can discuss things and make fun of me for my inability to speak, write, and talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speak and talk. See, I just did it again. <laughs> um, you know that's great. Just shoot us a message off the page saying, "Hey, we'd we'd like a group," and I'll be more than happy to put that up. Or you can send us an email. We have an email address. It's wtfwtpodcast at gmail.com. We also have added a show phone. Oh, yes. It's listed on the Facebook page. Um, Yeah, it's on the Facebook page. So if you give me one second and I'll tell you what that is. Um, We've kind of got that open. We're not going to be answering it. So don't think you can just call and chat with us whenever. But if you have an idea or a listener story or something, you can call, leave us a voicemail, send us a text about it if you don't want to email or whatever. And if you do want us to call you back, just say, hey, give me a call back. And, uh, you know, I I do have the ability to record stories live. So So we can do listener stories that way. So that number's on the Facebook page, but it's 256-677-3303. So, like I said, won't be answered live. But you can send us a message and let us know you want to set up a a phone interview if you want. Right. So I guess until next time, we'll see you later.